Welcome. Bevenue. A cinema diem amore. I am your host, Lexi. And with me today, I have... Chuck. And uh, we are going to be discussing films from the Canadian National Film Board. C'est bien. Are you excited to talk about films from the Canadian National Film Board? I've never been more excited in my life. Have you said who you were? Did you introduce I am yourself? I am your Canadian host. I am also Bia. <laughs> I am your co-host, Justin. I am the Kenny Powers, not the character, but the real person of this podcast. Can you say that in French and English? You know, we have to re-record this entire oui? episode again in French and we're done, right? I'll let AI change my <laughs> voice. Because otherwise we just can't release this in Canada, right? For it to meet national standards. You guys saw Canadian bacon. You know how this is. Uh, what are Canadian standards? What we are covering to this month are films from the Canadian National Film Board. These are films from the Canadian government, essentially. The government in Canada has very strict standards on what we can and cannot watch in Canada, essentially. I mean, we obviously have that here. We have, the, you know, the FCC, things like that. That's just people to, like, kind of go in and say, like, you know, this is too violent or this is too whatever. In Canada, we have stricter rules in that... I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up, and I apologize. But a certain percentage of content that goes out on television and in our movie theaters and even on our radio waves has to be Canadian and it means it has to be staffed by Canadians the music has to be done by Canadian artists everything about it has to be Canadian in some form or another like you can slide a little bit here and there as long as a certain percentage of it is Canadian you can pass but you have to have a pretty high percentage of it pass to be Canadian content. We like American shows, we watch American shows, we actually prefer American shows because a lot of our content is kind of not so good. You know, it's like, you know, when you watch TV shows and they make fun of other countries' television, like they'll have like an American go to another country and they'll like, oh, let's watch the TV and the TV's like really strange and weird and it's not like that. That's like us. Our TV's weird and strange and out there and aimed at us and targeted at us and unique to us in our country but we're kind of pretty close to you guys so canadian content kind of has this surreal quality about it where it almost feels like something from america but then it just kind of has this slight shift where it's a bit disjointed and you're like this is not american is it like it's just something about it just feels a bit off so you're like they're speaking english but the english doesn't quite sound like english you're familiar with and they're doing things that you're familiar with, but also it doesn't really quite feel quite familiar. And then you're like, oh, it's supposed to be Canadian because it's not <laughs> it's not lining up quite right with America. The Canadian National Film Board is content that has like the highest amount of Canadian content to it. So it would be like when you're looking at your like percentages, like if you're looking at your alcohol percentages, the shit would be like 100 percent proof. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like. So it's, it's like, raw, pure, like, Canadian as fuck. Like, super, super, super Canadian content. 
a lot of animation comes out through the Canadian National Film Board, a lot of independent animation. You'll see a lot of animation styles you've never seen before, like really creative, interesting content. Huge amount of Aboriginal content. If you want to get stuff released from the Canadian National Film Board, go Aboriginal, because like, basically Canada, we fucked over the Aboriginal people of our country hard. And so we're always trying to find ways to like apologize and like like we're really sorry uh you want some tv you want some movies you want some funding how can we help you like that's our way of course we find other ways constantly to slide in and fuck them constantly on the you know underground but on the outside we want to make it look like we're helping so we're always like funding their films and their television and we give them the aboriginal television network they have their own network and stuff like that so we fund that and the government funds that and so basically like this content is essentially paid for by us, like by the, the taxpayers, because you would be paying for the government grants, right? The government grants that they give to people to fund for these projects. So the more Canadian the content, the more the Canadians are paying for the content. And so you are funding the content that you're watching in a lot of ways too. So I guess it's almost like state media, isn't it? <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I grew up in Canada. I was born there, and I grew up there till I was 12. And so I was raised on Canadian National Film Board content in particular. When you're in school, a lot of documentaries, the documentaries you end up watching in school come from the Canadian National Film Board. CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Channel, which the CBC, no matter where you are in Canada, literally anywhere in Canada, as long as you can get an aerial up, you should be able to get CBC. It's the basically, you know, like for emergencies and stuff, like you need to be able to have access to the CBC essentially. So it was our way of like creating a centralized network of communication that wasn't just a radio channel, but a television channel as well. So CBC is always accessible Canadian content. And that's also where like they run all the hockey and whatever. So hockey is always accessible for people to watch and things like that. So like that's like almost like a rule that like instead of, um, <clears throat> like networks that get like money off of it it's like i mean they get, they run ads and stuff on cbc but like it's not the same as here like like, like with the nfl like with fox and the, the bidding wars and stuff like that like cbc pretty much has like the rights on it kind of thing like hockey's going to be on there because it's to make sure that everybody who even if you're poor and you don't have whatever like you're in a fucking shack in the woods you still have access to television because it's that kind of thing we're more socialized than america in a lot of ways and we're still capitalists but we have little socialized things here and there and so cbc would have a lot of national film board content that runs on it and a lot of the content that runs on cbc is paid for by the canadian government as well and the cbc is hugely funded by the canadian government and so a lot of the content that runs on it won't be american or if it is it's like the simpsons after syndication after so many years they basically got like you know they bought the rights to it and they could run that on there for like a certain amount of time or whatever but it's got to be like super old media to get like the the rights to it kind of thing like that sort of stuff the same kind of syndication that would be the same syndication all over the world you know what i mean but very limited like i think they had like the simpsons and family guy and it was like that's pretty much all i could remember like you know uh, they ran a arrested development a lot on cbc for a while that's how i saw every season of it just weird stuff like that would get on there but otherwise i wanted to talk about 
films from the film board because they're really unique and they're really interesting and they're very unique to Canada and it's not the same as like um, talking about a movie made by Canadians because even though it's content made by Canadian it's so rawly uniquely Canadian like it's all staffed by and filmed by and the music's all done by and it's all shot on location in and will be about things in Canada usually and so it's very Canadian obviously <laughs> but it also isn't really anything like you guys have ever seen before right like you're not you're not familiar with national film board movies but also there's possibly some national film board films that you might be familiar with that you're not you know aware of because these films are not shit like they're not shit tier films like even though i'm sitting here and i'm saying like you know well you know they're they're this like they put effort into these movies. These movies get decent funding. These movies go to festival. These movies go to cans. These movies go to, like, you know, major stuff. So some of these movies are acclaimed. Like, I know the one about Todd McFarlane, that was in festival at one point, And that's a Canadian film board film, which Todd McFarlane's Canadian. So they made a whole movie about him, which was really weird. Sometimes you don't even realize people are Canadian until the Canadian National Film Board makes the whole thing about them, and then you're like, oh shit, I didn't realize this. I know Shatner, like, we talked about him before, but he's done stuff for them, too, because he's Canadian and what have you. They go and they grab up our big celebrities that we send down here, and they'll definitely, like, throw them in there. Um, God, what's his name? Um, the one that was in The Master of Disguise. I can't think of the actor's name. That's all I can think of is The Master of Disguise. Um he does he used to do the canadian pavilion is it dana, dana carvey yeah he does the uh, he does the canadian so. pavilion at uh, epcot he does the video for it um he does so much stuff for like the canadian national film board they'll use him almost entirely for like most of their tours and videos and like most of their like introduction to canada videos and all that kind of stuff like he's a big like person that they use to introduce people to Canada and I picked the first film inadvertently because my film was from 1981. The film that I chose was a film called The Devil at Your Heels about a stuntman which actually he is classified as Canada's Evil Knievel. I really really <laughs> wanted you guys to see this movie. I learned about this movie actually when I was listening to a car podcast that I listened to called Pass Gas and they were talking about the history that led up to this guy himself and then they talked about this movie briefly and i was like no way and i went and checked out the movie and i was like oh my god it's a national film board film and then i realized i was like choosing to do national film board stuff and i was like holy shit i can do this movie and i was like i can't wait to talk about this movie because this movie's going to be so fucking insane but it was more insane than i thought it would be <laughs> I try to look up kind of a, sad a little movie. bit. I try to look up stuff on Ken Carter, but I keep finding the guy that played Coach Carter, or well, who was Coach Carter that the Samuel L. Jackson movie was based off of. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Because Canadian Carter is, Carter's not even his last name. Do you, that's like his chosen yeah, stunt name? Yeah, I guess name? so. Question for you, Lexi? Know a whole lot about his history. He's one of those 70s like, stunt guys that they don't, talk about him the way they do Knievel you know what I mean like he was a roadshow stuntman and even though he was one of Canada's biggest he never had the acclaim of like someone like Knievel Knievel was huge like he was a phenomenon there, 
there's never been a stuntman like Evil Knievel that has had like the level of publicity and marketing deals and sellability that Evil Knievel had, especially knowing how often he failed at completing his stunts. And Ken actually had a higher record of completing his stunts. That's why he was like, I'm a better stuntman than Knievel. But he was more known like within the world of stunt because he was touring all the time. He was always driving around and touring. It was like Knievel could sit back a lot more and fuck around in his older years. You know what I mean? Once he did like the the Vegas jump and shit that basically sealed like Knievel because Knievel was always on the wide uh, the wide world of sports. You know what I mean? The ABCs. Go ahead. I love my introduction to ken carter the star of this documentary because it it's him jumping cars <laughs> failing and like spraining ankle, or breaking yeah. his ankle terribly and as he's on the gurney he's like asking for the mic and reassuring everybody he'll be back tomorrow night to jump more cars this documentary felt surreal it didn't feel like a real documentary it felt like a mockumentary it felt so fake like it, i was like no way i can imagine this on documentary now for sure but yeah. then like it, it's real because like i'm like it's, it's canadian now it's about a canadian that wants to jump into america that's why we got to build that wall they're not building it on the right sense, side of the country it, it, <laughs> They have to, yeah. And they have to build it a lot taller. Yeah, because he's he made that oh ramp God. real nice and high. <laughs> he cultivated the other side, so it was a yeah. soft landing. Prepared it for himself. It's essentially a guy who made his career jumping over stuff, and he decided he wanted to jump the Canadian-American border, and he wanted to do it over the St. Johns River, which is like a shipping route. So what was it they said? It was a, was a mile over a mile yeah it's a mile so wide. it would have been like the longest single jump ever recorded <laughs> don't ruin it you said would have sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh really really wanted this i love what i love when he like initially is presenting this too he's like i want the ramp over here and then he's like and this will be the landing pad over here and there's going to be a bed of roses right here that I'm going to land in. We're going to plant roses to make sure that the landing is soft and I land in roses. I like that he made a fake car that couldn't jump anything, really. And he sold it as like, oh, yeah, this thing could, you know, it goes like to 260 miles per hour in like no time at all. Just so he could get investors and make get money to make this thing happen. Do you happen. think he was a faker? I, I don't know. I, it, I mean, it literally he is. Said he exactly, the documentary said exactly he was. It starts out as that he had to he had to pretend that he that he could do it to get people to pay for him to do it. I mean, he was a real stunt person, but he what he didn't have the finances that he needed, so he so lied. I missed that part somehow. I thought he like that when he's on the when he's on the bed of that truck with that first rocket car you see, and it's just the flames. That's him trying to oh, just get investors car, yeah. and be like, see, this car definitely meant, like, can at, make it. At the initial, the final That's jump, how he so started like, getting investors. Really wanted to do the jump. Like, I genuinely think he was. I like that he turned 30. He's 37 years old at the beginning of this, so I feel like I still have time to do stunts if five I want years. to. I just turned. I got five years to try. Then you're going to get replaced by Kenny Powers. <laughs> and then Kenny Powers. And then an American is going to replace me. He wasn't American, was he? Was but not succeed. Was Kenny Powers Kenny American? Powers Kenny American. Powers was. I thought he was also Canadian. Was <laughs> yeah. Funny. I missed that one part. No. 
I mean, I like I, I did like the concept of it was really cool seeing everything from that time from like when does it start well, okay. 76 then or something like that. Yeah, I, I had to look so. it up because they 76. went and they talked to Evil Knievel when he started building the ramp. And they had said that Evil Knievel had just completed Snake River when they brought him over to talk to him. Evil Knievel completed Snake River in 74, and so it had to be at least 75, is what I'm thinking, approximately, because we didn't really have, like, a year. And maybe a year for the documentary to be cut. 81 and the movie came out in 81. Yeah, and it's five years they took to document it, and then they took probably, like a year to process and edit it all because it's all film so i mean i was impressed with the camera that was inside the cars i thought that that I, was they, pretty yeah, cool everything shot that off film. everything is like shot over five years it looks really clean the footage is excellent it's incredibly well done i just love love how expensive it would have to be to like you know not just the car and the fuel for that but the helicopter that has to keep going up for no fucking reason at all they had to pay all those they said yeah. they pay the crew twenty five thousand dollars a day to to do it but they're also paying everybody else they're paying all those firefighters and they're paying all the police and paramedics first and, attempt stuff. and they have all like the, the firefighters the paramedics and everybody there and like the whole boat crew and then it doesn't go through and then on a second attempt they're like they have a kid with a tow truck and like a, a tank with some water and a guy <laughs> in a rubber boat out in the lake hoping to god they can find him after they got done talking about how to put the jet fuel out which you would need like yeah. 50 gallons of water so that was there wasn't enough there the best part of the movie was when there were those two red-headed engineer guys and they were like talking about building the car <laughs> and they're like the tank will blow up the, the tank will never blow up and then they go the tank blew up the tank blew up <laughs> and then they're like we don't know what happened and they just like they have like this horrified look on their faces like they're just like they don't have an answer for anything and then like that happens again and they're just like broken like they're just devastated and i was like these guys look like they're they're actors like they don't even look real they're so like upset and distraught by everything and then, like by the time the like second or third tank explodes they just look and they're just like we give up we're going home we're done here. We can't do it. For me, I really liked when on jump day when they aborted the mission because uh, a seal broke and he heard it like hissing and the guy, the guy was aborted the whole thing. And he gets out of the car. His, he takes his jumpsuit down. He has like no shirt underneath of it. He keeps holding his heart and he reminds me of Joe Exotic or something <laughs> like that. And he's just like, ah, you scared me half to death. I'm so scared. <laughs> And then they cut to him eating hot dog. And they're like, they're like, it's off for the day. <laughs> He's just shoving hot dog down his face. Or when they introduce the uh, American guy who has the rocket car. And he's yeah. like, it's built for my spec, so I don't know if you'll fit in it. And he won't put the, he goes to put the flame suit on. And the flame suit, he can't fit in the car. So he's just like, fuck it. And he puts on <laughs> jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. They're like, take the suit off. And the guy's like, you really don't need it. <laughs> Like, yeah, you really don't need it because, you know, as long as the car doesn't explode <laughs> while you're in it. Or when they lie about how fast that car will go and the, and the guy's <laughs> like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, you lied to me. He's like, yeah. He's like, I know you lied to me. <laughs> that guy lies to him so many times in that movie. He's like, I don't know if I could trust him anymore. He keeps lying to me. He just keeps telling me one thing. And then he's like, yeah, the ramp's totally fine. The ramp is totally not fine. Every time he goes up it, it just keeps bumping, and you can't keep control of the car. <laughs> like, 
And then he's like, can you play in a white line in the middle of the ramp and, like, you know, try to keep control? And he's like, you don't need that. You've got this. It's totally fine. <laughs> he's making me think of uh, the guy from The Office that's like, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the white line. Stop asking for it. You don't need it. Just drive. And, I mean, then you had Kenny Powers who just wanted the fame. He's just, Yeah, he's just hanging out But there. he did have – he had a good idea. He's like, don't give me a five-minute countdown. You know how much shit's going to go through my head. He's like, ten seconds. That's he's, all I need. Kenny <laughs> Powers seconds. is great. I like their training montage when they, yeah. they have to do the – when they sell it, like, the third or fourth time to the company, and they're like, they got to do training, and he's – He's riding the bike and kayaking, and he's like, "I've never trained a day in my life." Like, but you gotta. Well, make Kenny it look was good his the uh, movies. They called Kenny his kayak coach when they showed yeah. him there. I don't know. I just think it's funny. I want to be the investors, like the backers, that look at that video and see him training and be like, "Yep, I'm gonna back this." That's that's what I really want to know is how much because yeah, they don't go over at, like how much money did everybody lose on this thing because he starts out with. He got those initial investors that he. They said it would cost a quarter of a million dollars to, like, design everything and start building, and that's year one that he gets those guys to invest, and then those guys drop out, like. But they had to have spent like even if you say they didn't spend a whole two hundred fifty thousand dollars, they had to have spent a decent chunk of money just to then be like, eh, this is this is costing too much money. Like, how much did they put in before they dropped it? Then the next guy picks it up and he starts going with it. And then they keep talking about how, well, first we sold it to these guys and they paid us this much money, but then we couldn't do the jump and we couldn't finish the ramp. So then we sold it to this guys and they gave us this much money. I was like, like, I, I, I just want to see the receipts of how much money was sunk into this by all of these different people all for it to, you know, again, we, as we've said, spoiler alert, he barely makes 500 feet off the ground uh, and goes absolutely nowhere. Like, how much money was sunk into this entire project by all these people that got absolutely zero return on investment? Yeah, you could tell that producer guy, I can't remember his name, the Hollywood guy, and he was just so fucked off that it didn't move as fast as it as he thought it was going to because apparently they had everything and then it was like nothing like, ever happened. This. I have a bar well, they built it in the worst six. place that <laughs> <laughs> they 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 built it in the worst possible place where uh, apparently the it rains at least 360 out of 365 oh, dude, days Peter a year. Oh, fucking awful. Like that's everybody's that's everybody's answer for 90% of that movie is so how come we can't do this? Ah, it's raining. <laughs> then it's like the <laughs> year 3. So are we making progress? It's raining. It <laughs> rained, like, and they were like, we're trying, the, we're trying to dry the track with the helicopter, and I'm like, that never, would never that's work. How, like that. Yeah, that's, that's not how <laughs> helicopters work. They built it in wetlands. Ontario, the area that they were building in was, like, all wetlands. So it was just like, you built in fucking wetland. I figured that must have been, like, it, it, that was probably maybe where the river was at its yeah. narrowest. Like, it was more out of... Like they did, they never said that, but I, I thought maybe that had to be the reason why is that it gets wider or splits off somewhere. So it was like this is the to do the the concept that he set out for, which is the idea to jump from Canada to America. This is the narrowest part that I can jump and where it's most most likely for success, but it's still like the worst place to try to do this. I mean, today they'd be able to heat the track and, and do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, they'd be able to have the car like in some sort of compartment well, okay. or something like that a trailer well, not just with a tarp so sitting on it they spent all this money they spent $100,000 building this car 
and the car itself is like a sh- like underneath it's this like metal welded like one seat chassis and then the body that he chooses to put over the top of it is the least aerodynamic car body he could possibly put on it's like a fucking mark 8 like lincoln continental it's like buick or something yeah I thought they went for heavy. I, 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 it wasn't aerodynamic. I don't think anybody in the seventies was really thinking about aerodynamics when they were designing. <laughs> that wasn't a cars. word that they were aware of. That nobody knows what aerodynamics but were in the seventies. Both 70s. the rocket cars they showed, like the first <laughs> rocket car that he showed, the one that you said didn't work with the big thing in the back. Yeah, that car was aerodynamic in its shape. It was round and smooth. And then the one that the guy, the American, was teaching him to drive in, that one was also round and smooth. It had, like, a bit of a snub in the front because it was based off a Camaro design, but, like, it still was a rounded, smooth car, like, with a light fiberglass chassis over it. He was, like, using a a really... He Maybe he knew what he was doing, and he just thought he he could get out of it. And then he put wings on it. If I keep doing it, do it this way, I'll never make it. Those those were not wings. Like, well, that's that's a disgrace to call those wings. They were uh, they were they were nubs sticking out the side of the car. Which yeah, I, I didn't there like, should like, be like they should work like spoilers on the I side love of the car. Trying to take off when he was going 160 miles an hour down the road. Well, you would think the weight. You would think you would think weight and spoilers would be the best thing to keep that car grounded. Remember until that it's that body you're, you're like you're assuming that that body is that 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 car. That's just a fiberglass body. It just looks like that car. So that could have been anything. Like why That's would you I make said. it that? I, like, I, why would you I don't know. A brick shape. Because the thing is, is that once you go up and you hit the air, that brick shape is going to catch all that air underneath it, right? And it's just going to cause exactly what you saw in the video, which is when the guy went off the ramp, the first thing that did was the air caught underneath the front of the car, it pushed it backwards, the car flipped backwards upside down, flipped through the air, exploded into pieces, and then the guy landed in the water, like, 500 feet in front of it. Those wings snapped oh, off immediately. immediately. Like, yeah, well, I mean, he he only lived because they said that the... The parachute prematurely yeah. shot out the yeah, back. Wasn't even supposed to go out, and he only landed in like a foot of water. I, yeah, I wish I would have. I wanted to know if he could walk. And mind after you, I don't that. know if we're saying this or not. We we're we're just saying he a lot. The main guy who's been trying to do this for five years, he's an hour away where it's raining in his hotel room, and sneaky little Kenny Powers is like, <laughs> "I'll do it. Fuck it, I'll do it." And he's rushing everyone. I'm like. This isn't gonna be. Well, they don't good. tell. They don't um, tell Kent that they're doing it either. They just let Kenny go do it, right? Yeah, he's so, not aware that it's happening because they think he because they're tired of his second. shit. So they're tired of him, and they want to get the footage, and they want to be done. And the investors are like, "We're over this." So they go. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify that when the jump happens, it's not. Even it's not even the guy. Yeah, or, yeah it's not the guy we've been following. Yeah. But I do because th- I do think they are correct. I I do think that uh, like the way that it seems like it's going is that Carter does get. I I think he does start to realize that he's like, I I don't think this is ever gonna work. Like he knows there's too many. Uh, I mean he keeps bringing it up, but it's like he he seems like I I feel like maybe because he didn't have as much control as maybe he should have. Like when he keeps telling that guy. I think this is bumpy. I don't think it should be like that. And that guy just keeps going. It's fine. And like. But he doesn't have anyone else to tell that to 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 say, hey, I, I really don't think it should be bumpy because everyone's just going to go, well, if Sam says it's fine, then it's fine. So he has, like, no one to go to any further. And I think he kept knowing, like, 
this isn't going to end well, and I don't think I'm ever, like, I think he truly did want to, like, do the jump. He had that still in his mind that, oh, this would be amazing, but I think he could just tell that the way that everything was set up, that it was never going to actually work, and that's why he does just keep pushing it off, and he has that thing where it seems like maybe he's having a lot of nerves when they're like, he's been sitting in the car for two hours now, and it still won't approve anyone to do anything. He keeps... He keeps checking his seatbelt every two seconds and and keeps telling everyone to check walkie-talkies over and over again. It's because he, he knew it wasn't going to work, and he was just trying to... And I think he knew also that he couldn't just say no because he was going to start to get... Buddy, we, we spent like $200,000. Like, you can't just say no. Right. Like, you, you have to drive off that ramp. Like, I think he started to, he started to think like they were going to be like get in that fucking car right now and drive <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> they're gonna force him into the car and be like be like you drive and i don't care if you die you but you're driving off the end of that ramp and we're getting footage it makes me think of like kickstarter when you donate to anything and it's like even though no matter how much money you put into it it might not go anywhere it might not make what you want it to be and that's what this reminded me the of. the start of <laughs> when ken decides to do this and he starts building the initial ramp and they're just bringing dirt in and they're just laying the dirt down they go and they go get ABC's Wide World of Sports, which is featuring Ken, and that's a big deal because that's what features Evil Knievel. So it's Ken's turn to be featured, and he's like, oh my god. And they bring Evil Knievel out to the site where Ken is doing this to talk about it and be like, wow, are you as impressed with what Ken is doing as like what you just did? And as I said before, it was right after he had just done the Snake River Canyon jump, which if you're not familiar with Evil Knievel, Evil Knievel tried to jump Snake River Canyon in a rocket motorcycle, which was the stupidest fucking thing anybody had ever seen in their entire life. He literally built like a stupider looking thing than quite frankly Ken's shit that he's building with his cars. I don't know if you've ever seen Evil Knievel's rocket cycle. It's like a fucking like kid's rocket ship with a fucking motorcycle, an actual Harley Davidson in the middle of it. It's, it's insane. It's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen with a plexiglass bubble over the top of it and a parachute attached to the back of it. And he had intended on firing himself in that across Snake River Canyon, which was never been heard of before. And as soon as he went to go do it, he fired himself forward. The parachute went off prematurely, kind of almost in the same way. And he ended up plummeting right down into the river in the canyon below. And he is fine for the most part. I don't think he was super badly injured from that one, but it didn't go the way it was supposed to go. It was a big embarrassment. And so after doing that, they had him here looking at Ken's shit and he looked at Ken's shit and he looked around and he looked at what Ken was doing and they're sitting there and they're like so would you do this Evil Knievel and Evil Knievel's like I think this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life like I would never attempt something like this I think it's completely impossible I was like if Evil Knievel I think I think he's I think he phrased that it's just short of suicidal I was like, if Evil Knievel won't do it, you know how fucking stupid it is. I think that's what, yeah, that that definitely does seem like motivation for Ken in the movie. That yeah, that he wants to be, like he definitely wants to be the next Evil Knievel or pass him, and he seems super mad that he's like, he's like, stupid Evil Knievel. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a has been. Like he's he's like very angry that the Evil Knievel said his stunt wasn't gonna work and. And is like very upset by it. It seems like when they're when they first get that report from him, he's like, uh, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's just lame. He doesn't 
he, he's a has-been. He doesn't do cool stunts like I do anymore. And I'm like, eh. That's like, the, that's like when you really start to be like, yeah, I don't think this is ever going to work. Because I, I, I didn't spoil this movie ahead of time by, like, looking into whether his jump was successful. But I think that was, like, that's maybe, like, half an hour into the movie. And I was like, oh, I think that's definitely, like, the signal that this is, uh, <laughs> that this is definitely isn't going to isn't gonna happen. That's That may be, like, year two or something like that out of five years. And I was like... Yeah, I don't. I don't think this jump's gonna happen, or or somebody's going to die. Yeah, I thought Ken Powers was gonna die for sure when he was in that car. Oh, they they I had definitely when they were like setting that up. I was like, are, are we about to watch Kenny Powers <laughs> die? Like, is this is this film include an actual death in it? Because yeah, the the way he keeps going. Uh, okay, just just give me a quick count. Don't don't let me think about it. Just. I'm going to get in. His and then they mentioned <laughs> about how he, yeah, his wife's there. He's recorded like videotapes like to play for his family. Thing he, where he's like, fuck it. Fuck yeah. it. I'm doing yeah. it right now. Yeah. He's got, he's got tapes if he dies to play for his family. And then they bring up how he's already broken his back twice and he needs to wear but a brace. But he doesn't have the brace this time. He forgot it at home <laughs> yeah. today. And I was like, what? I think he deserved to be hurt, but not When die. the car, <laughs> when Kenny Powers' car goes off the end of the ramp and it goes up, you hear in the footage the wife scream at the top of her lungs. And you're just like, oh. That was actually just yeah. the camera. <laughs> Kenny! Like, I'm like, man. And it's so funny because the car hits the water and it's so shallow where it hits that everybody's just running out in the water they don't even need the boat or anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah the guy with the boats out yeah. there dragging it <laughs> shore. yeah that i thought he was dead when i saw that footage of it basically explode and then like slam into the ground i'm like there's no way that guy's alive that canadian investor the second canadian investor the lawyer when he's like we're bringing it back to canada fuck it no no American involvement. All Canadian crew. All Canadian whatever. He's like, we're going to make this the most Canadian production ever. We believe in Ken. We're <laughs> that guy. And then he shows up like for two seconds at the end of the film. He's like, I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was the best. He felt like a fucking character out of a movie too. Like everybody in this felt like a character out of a fucking movie. Like Ken Powers looked like he's been injured five billion times in his life. He had like no teeth. He had, like, yeah. a dent in his head. I, I already started thinking, I was like, if they were to make this into a Hollywood movie, Michael Shannon would have to be Kenny Powers. He, he's my Kenny Powers in my mind. I mean, Danny, Danny McBride, McBride would have, would to, have be to be Ken, Ken Carter. Carter. Like, unquestionably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Danny McBride is Ken Carter. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, did Danny McBride watch this movie to, like, base? Because I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm like, this guy is just a Canadian version. I really wouldn't be surprised, because I, I almost want to say, like, there's almost no way that someone just comes up with the name Kenny Powers that has not seen this movie and just said that's the greatest name I've ever heard it's in like my life. It's like he watched it and he went I think that that name would be better suited to Ken. And that's all he did. It was like I'm just gonna switch the names around. It was like <laughs> but that character cause like the character from Eastbound and Down is almost identical in mannerisms and behavior to Ken Carter. It's so, I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy is like just like watching a Danny McBride character. It's like watching Danny. He almost looks like Danny McBride too. Does that interview in like his suit as he's like sitting in the mud yeah. on the rock? <laughs> it's, everybody in it is so Canadian too. Like when they get all excited and they get those like hard Canadian accents going and stuff, and they're getting all uppity and they're getting all yelling at each other. They get, like, those really heavy Canadian accents going and stuff. When they were trying to get the investors of that first car, everybody was like, hey, Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it felt like a joke. 
there was one point there was like a, a bunch of them that were outside i think it was like a bunch of like reporters and film crew or whatever and there's this blonde guy and they were all going and they had like the hardest canadian accents ever and i was like fuck me this is canadian it's canadian as fuck it wasn't until like the american film crew showed up that it really started getting like american again you're just like did you ever get to see ken carter in action? well he died in 83 and i was born in 82 so <laughs> so it's so, possible so I would say no, because I lived in New... Well, wasn't he from Nova Scotia? No, he's from Ontario, isn't he? They said Nova Scotia when he was, like, at the very beginning, when he was, like, in those apartments or whatever. I, I don't even a, know what the hell I they thought they said Scarborough, they which I think is Ontario. I don't know. Chuck is doing research. I, I don't know where he's actually from, but... <laughs> I thought it... I thought it... it does the same thing. I, said, I, I typed in Ken Carter, and it's like, Coach Carter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, can't look you have to put, have to put the word Ken line, Carter like, stuntman, like, and then it, then it. Uh... Yeah. He was born in Montreal. Yeah, so he was in like, and, and so it's like yeah. right on the border of like Canada or Ontario. Doesn't mean that's where he grew up. His we Coolio was apparently born in Manesson, but he didn't really? grow up there. That's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Bo- born but not raised there. <laughs> he had to go get raised on tougher streets. Oh my god! I mean, we got Francis <laughs> McDormand from there, so I went. I went to school there. Just. Tom Savini. Yeah, school. it's not really a school. We're like a. It was a school of give it's me. A place your to money. give fifty thousand dollars and then hang out with a bunch of goth and metal kids, put on makeup, go to parties and get drunk. I mean, that's not most schools, yeah. so <laughs> that's special. Are, are you? Did you like this movie? I thought you guys might like this movie. When like Chuck was like, I might not be able to come for this one. I was like, I think we need to wait. I think we need to wait and make Chuck watch this one. I was like, I think Chuck's really going to like this one. Just like, I was like, it's just so weird and such an absurd film. It's literally the story of a guy who tried to jump over the Canadian border in a rocket car. I was like, I don't know if we should leave Chuck out of this one. (laughs) They should have that, like, a Spanish version of that film. That's somebody trying to get from Mexico and jump literally jump over the wall that some part where the wall's been built for a quote-unquote stunt that's why it's not so aerodynamic it's a van <laughs> it's like a pinata that's actually what the car is it's a giant pinata oh my god it looks like the shaggin' wagon but it's all the pinata the pinata oh my god. i like this movie a Good. lot um it, it it played like the old 70s documentaries that i watched where you know just Living that, I think it's more enjoyable seeing them living at that time. We get to see Ken Carter fail like 500 jumps. Like they keep showing his old stunt work that he's done in front of people, and it's just him constantly not making his yeah, jumps. Yeah, he fails a lot, and he gets hurt a lot. He even died. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't see that part. So after I did, I <laughs> yeah, sent it to we you. we watched the footage afterwards. So after the documentary ends, they state that essentially. He never comes back to the ramp, and the ramp just sits there and falls apart into disarray and is left there, and nobody really gets their payoff from anything from this. And Ken goes on to try to jump over a lake in 1983. And the first time he attempts it, he does it with a Trans Am, a rocket Trans Am. So that's actually a much more aerodynamic car. So he tries to jump over the lake the first time and it didn't really like succeed but like he didn't like die so he attempted it again and then he was able to and then on his second attempt (laughs) he landed on his roof and when he landed on his roof he died on impact uh he overshot it too he he asked for more jet fuel so he way overshot his 
his ramp, or else he probably would have been fine if he was farther back. He did actually clear the but lake, yeah, he was though. A Pontiac yeah. Firebird. So. He cleared the yeah. other ramp. He just landed upside, down and it killed him. They said he still wanted to come back and do that stunt, so I feel like this was like his his training for that. Like, uh, put it in the middle. Well, if I can get over the lake, then I can come back and I can I can get back over and do the do the original one that he wanted to do. Yeah, he did say that he's never going to be too old for a stunt that will make him famous. Right. I do think that with some proper engineering on that ramp, that he, and a better shape to the car, that he might not have necessarily, like, cleared it to the island, but a mile isn't out of the way. That's really not that far of a jump with what he was trying to do and what he was trying to achieve, like... It's not that impossible. If you could get gliding involved in it, uh, you could. We have it. achieved that distance and then some with cars nowadays. Like, I don't know if you watch any of the like Hot Wheels stuff, but the Hot Wheels. No, we have the Hot Wheels stunt team. They're excellent. They've done all these like live live action. Are they like the Harlem gr- Globe? Kinda. They're, they've been doing full size <laughs> live live hot wheels recreations from their stunt tracks so like they did the loop they actually did like a hot wheels loop who's that guy from nitro circus he doesn't uh that was uh reese millen oh yeah that's reese millen does stuff too well actually the the greatest person right now to do stuff is um uh tanner faust that's the guy that they have doing the um stuff for the the hot wheels stunt team he just did the, the longest jump in the world i think with a pickup truck that was like specially designed for it. That jump was crazy. I just imagine him being like, "It's the longest jump," and they're like, "No, it isn't." He's like, "I'm doing it in that pickup truck, so it will." Be <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll go with it. He also did the loop, which was cool. They actually did a double car loop where they like they came at each other and then went in the opposite direction. You have to right. It's necessary. Yeah. There's supposed to be five of those total, so they were supposed to be making like five different parts of their no five, five different parts of like full-size pieces of Hot Wheels track pieces that people drive through and do in real cars. We've already got it cinematically from the made-for-TV Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. <laughs> They're on the shark of Hot Wheel. Probably Rick Moranis' last movie. Oh, no. I mean, he's still alive. It's just, he has stopped <laughs> oh, I know, acting, it's just like so. a... <laughs> Maybe his last movie that he starred in. in not, not the best note to go out on, but, you know. Do you think that the backers, like, death-noted ken carter no like they were so mad that they sabotaged his firebird no but i can't imagine being happy at all with any of any of that at all i'm sure they were i'm sure somebody was still trying to like sue him for money or something like that before he died i would think that a little bit i don't know why but i would think a little bit ken powers would have like maybe tried to sue him a little bit for like how unsafe that fucking car was i when i the thing that i read said they were still friends until he died that's good he wasn't they weren't they weren't mad at each other like they, they under Ken knew why Kenny accepted it because they told him to and I don't think I think Kenny knew that it wasn't it wasn't his car yeah. necessarily I think it was more the it was more the ramp than anything that ramp else. was dangerous I mean the car shit. didn't help but well okay so they're building yeah. the ramp and then at one point one of the leg struts to the ramp just didn't fit and they were like we don't know if we should break the fucking strut that the the concrete's poured for and make it taller or if we should break the fucking leg of the the ramp and make it longer we're trying to figure that out they're trying to talk to the engineer and the engineer at that point was done talking to them he just threw his hands up and walked the fuck away entirely 
they were like, we can't get anything done because all of our equipment keeps getting stuck in the mud. And they show this bulldozer that's like up to the fucking seat in the muck it's that far down in it and i'm just like how did they even get that out could you imagine trying to pull fucking tonnage equipment out of that what do you use especially in the 70s like what do you use to pull tonnage equipment out of fucking muck more equipment i don't know i like the producer when it got real late and they weren't gonna jump and he's like i have a bar mitzvah and i'm yeah. not gonna miss it there's gonna be a lot of celebrities there <laughs> He's like, I have a bar mitzvah at 6 tomorrow. He's like, I'm not coming back to this. Forget this. Do you think if they had that money on hand that everyone refused to work until they got paid in cash, do you think that Ken Carter would have made that jump, or do you think it would have been Hell no. Excuse? He would have found a way out. You could tell. I think perhaps if everything had been going the way it was supposed to go, and it was the middle of the day, and the crowds were really, really, really high... And everything was really, really amped up. He probably would have done it, cause yeah, he didn't have enough peer pressure. Why don't you think they would have wanted to to have a crowd and pay? They're people? stupid. I know they'd have issues if he keeps calling it off, calling it off, calling it off. But I don't know. Be like, we'll charge you after you leave, and he's jumped. I think that, I I'm surprised they didn't charge admission to come see it. Well, wouldn't you be pissed if you show up every day and they never, never? Right, show? but I I think. If they had made it more of a dedicated media event and shown Ken that it was a dedicated media event, that Ken, Ken, you know, celebrity whore would have overtaken all of his fear. Do you know what I mean? Because that guy was a fucking, like, whore when it came, you know, selling himself to the crowd. Like, he, that's what he wanted. That's all he wanted to do. So... When he saw how disappointing his turnouts were, when he saw how disappointing the media turnout was, he just, like, was like, ah, I don't want to do this. Right. I guess if the media showed up and they were like, we're only going to be here for one day, he might say, fuck it. I'll, Him and I'll, Knievel I'll are the same way. If Knievel didn't have the people, Knievel didn't perform either. Like, they were the same kind of people. It's just a stuntman. He's an old 70s stuntman. Like, those fucking guys were just whores. Like, genuinely. Like, they just went out... And they sold their bodies, and they sold their fucking like selves to fucking the crowd. Hey, that's what he's Stevo. Like it's no different bodies. than Stevo. It's just like you know he drove a car and went over a ramp instead of jumping in sewage and fucking stapling things to himself. It's not any different. Stuntman is stuntman. Like Stevo's like way low bar, but he he knows that the average. <laughs> the irony is that Stevo made more money than him, <laughs> and has more popularity. I mean, he did have television, and now it's way easier to access yeah do you though. think if the internet had existed that ken would have had more success and would have like had more ability yeah i think so do you think he would have jumped if he had known that it was being live streamed and it wouldn't have mattered to him at that point probably yeah, yeah i think i think he would because that puts the pressure right. on you could tell how many people were watching because i don't know about if i if i did that if i put all that work into it and then i would almost feel like i'm a fraud if i don't do it even if I was terrified to do it. Right. I was just going to say, is there anything else anybody has? <laughs> I'm in the middle of speaking. You're like, does anyone else have anything else that they want to say? <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, is that, did you really like, did you like this, Chuck? It was good. I thought you'd like this one. Some interesting characters yeah. there. Yeah, it, it was really good. I thought that, I thought it was, it was well paced. I enjoyed, well, it was like an hour 40. It was an hour 48, like so it was a bit long. 
but I didn't feel like it felt like it. Almost everything is... Well, some documentaries, I'm sure they had way more... Fo they probably had double, triple, quadruple the footage to make this movie, and they really, like, cut it down, and I think that they did get all the essential. Like Chuck said, all the characters, even though they're real people, are amazing. Every scenario is amazing. Uh, when it is narrated, it is hilarious. Like, the narrator <laughs> will be, like, telling you the truth. Like, Ken is saying this, but that's not <laughs> honest. Yeah. It is like the arrest. It is the arrested development narration. Like you're saying, like, like yeah, this, this tank won't blow up, but it blew up the next <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> I, 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 that is, I mean, going back to even that scene that we already, that you already talked about it too. I just like the, the looks, looks on, on their, their faces face are there. priceless. They want to say <laughs> that it's not okay, but they don't want to say it on camera. They're like, it's so good. Like you, you come to your own conclusions about what's happening. Then. When they go back the third time, the looks on their faces the third time after their second tank blew up and they're like, we're done here. We're done. If they had lanyards to pull off and throw on the fucking ground, they would have taken their mics and thrown them on the fucking ground. It was so good. You almost think they could have done some sort of test run without a person in it, just to see how this thing they starts to cut go. cut every possible fucking corner they could. They were rushing everything and cutting every corner. Like, you, like the guy that we were talking about, Kenny Powers, when he crashed and he was only in, uh, like, two feet of water at the most. Like, that ramp... Like, it took him a while before he even got into deep water, so it was dangerous right off the bat if he didn't make that yeah. distance. When they said he was supposed to hit 260-plus miles an hour going off the end of the ramp, and he hit 187, so he couldn't even maintain the speed that he needed to maintain to get off the end of the ramp. Well, I also think with all their choices and the angle of that ramp... It's, well, it went it's straight up in the fucking like air. Said, the <laughs> air... Yeah, like, the air got right underneath of it. Because it curved at the end like this. So as soon as, like, the fucking nose of that car got under... She's curving her fingers. Yeah, oh, I apologize. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> duh. It was like... This, yeah, right? yeah, no, I'm just, just like, yeah. Hand motions duh, stupid. Feet. Yeah, no, yeah, the end of the ramp curves completely, like, up into the air. Like, it doesn't go forward. Whereas, like, with a car like that, if you're trying to launch it across something, your goal is to create the ramp as straight and forward as you can. So you should have only basically, like, lifted a little bit off the ground. A little, like, you know what I mean? That initial dirt ramp that they were building was more logical to the jump than what they ended up going with, so. Yeah, you are right about the angle. I didn't know what was going to happen, because... I mean, the whole movie, they build up beyond the distance, beyond the mechanics and everything else that was destined to fail. They lost control of being able to shut off the canal from these huge cargo ships going up and yeah. down it. They weren't removing any of the trees on the other side because they didn't want to fuck up the, the land in any way. But Ken Carter was talking about his friend that got impaled by a 2 by 4 and died. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were cows, like wild cows that they were trying to scare off. So I'm like, I don't think that he's going to succeed in the jump, but I was like half expecting him to damage a ship or hit a cow or hit a tree. Imagine if he had landed on like a freighter as it was going by or something. That would have been just special on so many levels. I mean, Paul Paul Walker did it. That's true. He did. I mean, it technically was a yacht, but... He still did it. Is there anything else to say about the devil at your heels? I think yeah, you should say... What's that, Chuck? I said, I think we've said it all. I think you should tell people that you can watch all these movies for free on their you website. You can. You can watch every single Canadian National Film Board film on the National Film Board's website for free. All of these are available for you because we as taxpayers already paid for them. They're our gift to you. <laughs>
bravo yeah thank yeah. you canada yeah genuinely everything that we cover this month if you want to watch for free it's all available to you so you don't have to pay for any of it and uh i highly recommend this movie and it is on amazon and you can pay for it on amazon don't pay for it on amazon genuinely go to the canadian <laughs> national film board's website and watch it there for free it's free but if you want to yeah. buy it <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the money for the sales of that film yeah. are going to somebody that invested money into that that's <laughs> right that yeah somebody's yeah. like buy it please buy yeah, it somebody's like please just buy it buy, buy the movie i need to get that extra two dollars somebody's living in poverty because their grandfather <laughs> banked all their life invested, savings on this movie. In, invested in i would film. buy this for my personal film collection though like to have an actual copy of because it's pretty fucking awesome it's a great movie this is a movie that i feel like everybody should take a look at this is a canadian treasure that everyone in the world should have a chance to take a look at this is one of our best of the best as far as the canadian national film board is concerned because <laughs> a movie about getting into America. i mean i mean uh, we have some pretty abysmal films in the canadian national film board i'm not gonna lie there's some... and if you can't do it we'll put an american in in your place when when our film board films are good they're excellent like we have some really top tier stuff but when they're bad they're pretty dry and pretty hard to get through so i hope that your picks are good mine my pick is a uh, water walker okay excuse me uh water walker i don't know much about it but it was on a couple like people's top 10 lists i just saw it keep coming up again and again so I wanted to pick a movie that people seem to like. We'll see. It has something to do with a guy that's just canoeing down a river. So I, don't, I think it's also a documentary. I'm pretty sure we all did documentaries because apparently that's all the Canadian National Film Board. There are all kinds of films, but documentary tends to be a predominant subject. There are other films, though. It's gotta... I think Chuck's is about Mountie. This is about police. Cops. Aren't they Mounties, too? Not, not necessarily no. always. I thought in Canada you were just a no. Mountie. Stereotyping yeah. already. If you're interested in how that works, there are local police, and then there's basically the mounted police, and the mounted police essentially are all jurisdiction, so they kind of cover... They're like the feds? No. Well, kind of, yeah, but kind of, like, almost like, think of, like, if you took, like, the FBI and stuck it together with, like, the police and, like, something else and then created, like, a whole super division, essentially. Like, they do everything. Like, they're they're kind of, they're kind of an all... They're the Avengers. They're an all-encompassing unit. Like, the RCMP does a lot. They cover, like, all across Canada, all crime, all kind of stuff like that, whereas, like, you can still have, like, your local town cops like I had Truro Police. That's my town, Truro. But then there's the RCMP. Truro? Like the no, T-R-U-R-O. Truro. Oh. Truro is the hub of the infrastructure. It's like where all trucking comes and goes through. We Ooh. also have one of the largest uh, shipping ports in all of the country. I know people that have done cruises and end up in Nova Scotia. Yep. I believe you. Yeah, it's a, it's a super port. They were going to build the, that really big super port. That was one of the, the locations they were talking about putting it up there. They didn't do it, but... It was one of the options. What about? I think that was a good episode. It was. So <laughs> your shoulder shrugged at first. I was like, I think you're like, it is no, what it is. No, I was. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I was really glad that it was a good choice. It ended up being like better than I thought it would be. So I feel like I feel like I picked a good movie this time. Big Jetty so. Well, maybe your best pick of the year. So <laughs> there we go. So, all right then. Bevenue, have a uh, good day, and we'll see you next week. Bye. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. 
find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.